When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Really, Riley. Really, Riley. Really, Riley. Really, Riley. Really, Riley. Really, Riley. Are you ready? This is the Really Riley Podcast. Hello, beloveds. Happy Monday. Hopefully, y'all had a really great weekend. Um, It went by really, really fast for me. It feels like sometimes my weekends aren't really like weekends because I'm in this new era of like not having an actual like set time that I have to do like work but then it also means that work and family life and whatever personal time I can get in it's kind of melded together um but yeah it went by really fast and especially today I feel very well rested and it's weird because it's like what is sleep what is that because yesterday I had a little bit of just my body said f you I'm done we are not doing anything And it was the worst possible day ever for that to happen to me because my husband goes into work on Sundays and then we had a birthday party of one of his cousins and I'm never the one to just be like, oh, can't do it, can't be there, da-da-da-da. But today, it was literally like, schnoops, Mm mm-mm, nope. So aside from just being exhausted from being a mother of young kids and just, you know, all of the you know, past six, seven months of life changes and all of the things that have happened that you're familiar with if you listen to this podcast, but I have been trying to find yet another diagnosis. It's so much fun being an adult, right? Um, nothing crazy, but I think I may have endometriosis or some things going on with my lady parts. And obviously when you have little kids and you were pregnant for the better part of a year, which was two years ago at this point, which is crazy, but like all that stuff seems to fall to the wayside. Well, my gynecologist was like, hey, you haven't been around in a while because when you have a baby, like everybody's up there. Everybody's all up in there with their, (laughs) that sounds so gross, but it's true. Like I'm not shy anymore at all when I go to doctor's appointments because I'm like, once you've had two babies, it's like everybody and their damn mom has been up in there, especially right after you have it. It's like you're trying to breastfeed and they come into the room and your boobies are out and they're like, oh, let's go in there and see how everything's healing. You're like, oh, hi, I haven't even had my breakfast yet. Good morning. You know, so anywho's a base. Um... I've been trying to figure out what's been happening with my hoo-ha because, or rather like my innards, the tubes that are going on in there. And I'm sorry if you are the males uh, around this subject right now, but I have a point about advocating for yourself. I'm personally talking about standing up for my vagina and my inner parts. But I went back to my gyno a couple of years ago when Malin was born two years ago. And they're like, oh, you're just postpartum, blah, 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 blah. Well, when I was pregnant, they did an ultrasound and they were like, oh, you have like a fibroid in there. I was like, excuse me, what? Now, I know with women, like they usually tend to be benign and it's not a big deal. But, you know, when you're pregnant, you don't really want anything extra going on in there. You just want the baby to have a nice little cushion pad for the better part of a year and then just come out. Um, But when I had him, I went back for the follow up and they said, "Okay, well, it's gone. That's not uncommon for you to have fibroids or lesions or whatever from the little tiny bit of research I've done with endometriosis 
that semi like clear up or don't like, you know, like I guess the theory is your body heals itself for the time being so the baby can live and then it goes to shit after. But I've always had horrific Medusa style periods. Always. Ever since I was a kid, I got mine at 14. It was awful from jump. I've been like a faucet, you know, like obviously like way above like what they say that you should normally do in that area. I don't want to gross anybody out, but y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. Um, it's like, it's just been something that I just kind of dealt with. And, you know, us growing up, it was just like, oh, you just deal with shitty periods. You just do that. But then now in the days of self-information and TikTok and people being more informed about things, it's like, I start questioning like, wait a minute. And it was actually in my flow app that like said, Hey, um, ma'am, your cycle is fucked up and this isn't normal. And you know, like stuff's happening that shouldn't be happening. I don't know how gross you want me to get, but you know, when you're, when you're laying golf ball size eggs every month, it's like, mm -mm, and I'll be not nasty and leave it there. But I was like, finally, I need to go get checked because the reason that I really started getting worried is like the pain factor. When I got back from my photo shoot last month that I did with my friend Jay that I've talked to you guys about in the podcast, after and during that photo shoot, I was in severe amounts of pain. And I was coming home and I was editing a reel that I needed to put up and like I couldn't stand up. I was bowled over in pain and my period wasn't here yet. It was ovulation time. I've never had painful ovulation. It wasn't like that. But I was like in tears and I have a really, really high pain tolerance. You know, I've had two kids. I just, you know, I grin and bear it through most things, especially pain. And I don't let anything stop me ever. To a fault, I know. Um, but it was time. And I figure when the guy I was saying like, okay, you got to come in for a checkup for your weekly or yearly fun pap or whatever. <clears throat> I figured, all right, I'm going to ask about this. Because I also thought maybe it could be progesterone, blah, 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 blah. I usually try to be on the holistic side of healing things. I don't like taking medication. And if you guys go a good amount of podcasts down, you can talk about or listen about my ADHD diagnosis and my really, really, really troublesome decision to get on ADHD medication, which I'm still kind of teeter-tottering whether I made the right decision or not. So I'm not about to get another thing happening there with medication that's not an actual cure. And there isn't a cure for whatever's going on down there, if it's endometriosis or whatever. So I was like, I'm not going to get on medication. And I had armed myself mentally to go in there and not be listened to, which absolutely no disrespect to the medical profession whatsoever. Two of my best friends are nurses. My sister-in-law is a nurse, like absolutely no disrespect. But sometimes you don't get listened to. And especially I think post-pandemic where people didn't like have face-to-face -face meetings or, or appointments for a while. I don't know. It's just been bad. Because the last time that I went in there after Malin was born, I knew something was up. I knew something was funky. And, you know, you know your body. And they were just like, oh, birth control. No. Then it was like, okay, we can do something called an ablation, which I have friends that have had that done. I guess they go in there and like laser some certain things and thin out the lining of what's going on up there. And I didn't want to do that because I, at that time when Malin was first born, I was like, well, I'm not sure if we want another one or not. And we absolutely know that we're not wanting another one. But I feel some kind of way about turning off a faucet that's supposed to run. And from what I'm hearing, that doesn't help you with the emotional shit. 
And by emotional shit, I mean like uncontrollable mood swings. And that's really, really hard to do when you have two kids. And when you are newly this like pseudo stay-at-home mom that is around a lot more than you used to be. And it just, psychologically, it makes me feel like a shitty wife. It makes me feel like a shitty mom. It makes me feel like a shitty person. You know what I mean? And then it's just like you already feel shitty for the mood swings that you've got, but then you feel shitty for feeling shitty physically, you know? And I was like, something's got to give. I had looked up all of these things that it could possibly be. I didn't want to self-diagnose because I had tend to do that many, many times over with many different things in my life. I didn't want to be in a tizzy, but I also wanted to be armed with certain amounts of information that I could be like, hey, look, this is why. So I go into the appointment and I tell her, you know, sort of what's going on. And immediately, do you want to get on a pill? No. And she started to kind of talk about it more. I said, no, that's 100% not what I want to do. Not an option. Nope. She's like, all right, well, she got very irritated with me. And I don't know what the push is for medication. Again, no shade to the medical profession. I don't know if it's because they get a kickback or something. I don't know how that works. Like, or if you get bonus points for pushing a medication that some rep gave you. I don't know. But it's like there was no listening to anything other than that. And the last time I was in that office with the same woman, I was crying. Granted, I was postpartum and we could just blame it on that. But I was just like, no, but you're not listening to me. You're not even giving me the option past anything of what you're saying. And I understand that that's got to be frustrating as shit for some people to go in there and think they know more than a doctor or a nurse practitioner. I get that part. But from what people say, like a lot of times in discovering things in the medical profession, it's like a puzzle piece. Well, those puzzle pieces are you listening to your patients to put it together, no? And this woman was like just not even hearing it. It was either the ablation that I wasn't sure of or birth control. And I was like, no, I don't want that. Before she even asked me further, like I was showing her the pictures of what was coming out. And she was like, oh, you know, some people just have shitty periods. I'm like, no, this isn't normal. It's not normal. I know that it's not normal. And it, whatever's not normal about it, it's pro- progressively getting worse. She's like, well, if it's not birth control, then it's surgery. Like almost as if she was trying to scare me from that. And I'm like, okay, if that's what it is and that's what it is, but let's go further. Let's dig deeper. And she's like, okay, well, let's look at your history. And, you know, I told her some of the history and she's like, oh, you probably just got shitty periods from your mom, like laughing it off. And I'm like, okay, first you give me a stank attitude. Now you're kind of like laughing about what I'm going through. And I started to get emotional again. And the thing that bothered me about this is that it was just so naked in all senses of the word. I felt like a little girl that was being examined for the first time. There was no funny business going on there. I'm not trying to say that, but it was like, you're there with this fucking paper gown. You're trying to get this person to listen to you because of the the, the shit you're going through literally most of the month. I think I get like a week's worth of peace and she's just fluffing it off and not listening to you at all. And I just felt so naked. Like I was almost physically naked. And, and, and I just felt not, I just felt uncomfortable. Like I was going to say violated, but that's way too strong a word. I just felt like I was just another number and I get it. You see whatever many patients a day and I'm sure there's hypochondriacs and you don't want to freak people out, but the bedside manner just wasn't working for me. And I have gone through a year of my life not being listened to when shit was going wrong and shit was unjust and not fair. And everybody was telling me I was crazy. Everybody was telling me this isn't happening. You're nuts. Well, (laughs) here we are. 
you know, and I am not going to listen to that anymore. Even if I'm nuts, I want to know. And I'm not going to go and take medication and or do procedures that I don't know the actual reason. Like, that's nuts to me that you're just, well, we treat endometriosis all the time with birth control, but yet you don't even know if I have it. Well, the only way you can do that, fine, let's go do it. I don't care how invasive it is. I want to know. And I get that there's procedures too, but I just, they're not listening to me. So then it was a situation where I was chatting with her. Again, this may be all very TMI for y'all, but I was asking her, like, is it normal for your breasts to still milk after two years? And she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, what? She's like, how long did you breastfeed your kid? And I was just like, well, the first one I did it for three months and then this, and they still kind of squirted, if you will, for two years, two, three years. And I was just like, then they're, you know, Malin's two years old, my second son. And she's like, yeah, that's not normal. Apparently there is some hormone going on that produces that, that it shouldn't. Ah, now you want to do hormone testing. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Fine. I got you to listen to me. I get that you have to have like a solid reason for it. But the fact that there was no further questions, there was no further investigation, if you will. It was just, we're going to give you this pill. And she asked me finally, again, why don't you want to do birth control? I said, because I was on it for 10 years and it made me nuts. It doesn't deal, it doesn't go well with my biochemistry. It just doesn't. And I was just like, you know, don't even speak the word antidepressant to me because I was on and off of those for 10 years as well. And there were some that made me want to not be around. And I'm just not down with that. Absolutely not. And aside from all this hormonal shit, I think I've done okay with all the stuff that's been thrown at me for the last year and coming back from it. So I'm not going to take something now that's going to mess with my like mental chemistry when there could be another solution. So I asked, I said, well, how about progesterone? Is it a progesterone deficiency? You know, the lack of sleep and, you know, just all these different things that you find in terms of the mood swings that could be that. I mean, well, it could be, but this birth control is all progesterone. I'm like, no, stop. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to, you know, put something up my vajayjay that like sticks to the walls and stays up there for 10 years. And I'm not shading anybody else that does it. I'm just, this is my personal choices that I don't want that. And she just kept fucking pushing it. I'm like, are you listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth? You know, like, I didn't say that to her, but it wasn't until I told her that I was squirting. She's like, and then she's like, well, show me. She's like, all right, show me. Like, as if she didn't believe me. I was like, fine, I squirted all over that. <laughs> I'm five all of a sudden. But yeah, I was like, here, look. But you see what I mean? Like, it has to be a situation where if you're going to ask that, please just be a little bit kinder and a little bit more cognizant of the fact that people that, are, like, go there are scared. And I'm respectful. But I'm nice until I'm not because when it comes to my health now, I have to know. So she wrote up some things and finally she's like, okay, well, fine. We'll check your thyroid. I'm like, okay, if there was ever a chance of that being funky, why wouldn't, I don't know. Again, I know that I'm going to have some medical professionals yelling at me right now, but I'm just saying the demeanor was very frustrating. So I left there feeling better having, knowing that I'm going to go get some tests done and, you know, Finally get my mammogram, which I know my girl Charmin that has been there with breast cancer was yelling at me that I hadn't gotten done, but I'm going to get it done. But here was the thing too. It was, she knows all this stuff, right? But she just kind of said like, girl, that's the place where they sent you to? Like, no, 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 no. Like, they're not good. And like, apparently like exams in that way, it depends on the tech. 
And here's something I left out that I forgot to tell you. When I had that fibroid when I was pregnant, apparently there were no notes. There were no pictures in the report. So hold on a second. I have a uterine fibroid in my tummy while I'm pregnant that could end up being something else later. And you made no notes. You didn't put any pictures in there. Like what? This is what y'all do. I was real pissed at that. So when my friend Sherman told me like, hey, the place where they sent you ain't it. I was like, where do I go? Thank God, you know, like together we can. It's like a village. (sighs) Second opinions. Advocate for your innards. (laughs) Advocate, stand up for your vagina. And I'm not even just talking about women. If there is any men or people that don't have these problems still listening to this podcast right now. It's just like I, you have to. Like I even did that when I was trying to get my ADHD diagnosis because it was just like antidepressants. Here you go. I was like, no, I need to go further. I need to be tested. I need to be talked to. Like I'm not just going to take the first medication that you want to numb me with. It's not my jam. No shade to anybody that did it and it worked for them. But I just, I don't like the idea of like taking something on a whim and then you have to undo the after effects of that later not into that at all. So I'm glad that I went. I'm glad that I advocated for myself. I'm glad I didn't punch anybody in that appointment because with these hormones, you never know. I'm joking, but I just, it's gotten very serious because it's been affecting my whole life. And when they say when it affects shit, like there it is because, you know, getting arguments with Marshall that normally wouldn't be a thing. And then later on, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know, like it's something I got to get a hold of. And, and, there's obviously answers out there. I'm just not getting them yet. So I'm excited to go get proper care, get examined, get tested, and figure this shit out because I'm tired of being a grumpy bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that you absolutely have, to, in all areas, you have to be the one to go out there and say, like, this first opinion doesn't sit right with me and do it. And it sucks because sometimes, like, it makes me, like, absolutely not want to go to doctor's appointments ever. Like I need to go to the dentist. I don't want to. I hate the dentist because I know there's shit wrong with my teeth. You know, like I think that I like as healthy of a person as I am, there's a lot of stuff that I put off that I shouldn't have. But then when you finally go and you finally build up the courage to get in there and ask the questions and they fluff you off, it's so disheartening. It's so annoying and so disheartening, but you have to, you know, it's like even with my husband when he had his AVN, a vascular necrosis diagnosis, it was like, oh, you just have a pinched nerve. And then the first option was for him to just get full-on hip surgery. I've gone into this in nauseam, so I won't go too far into it. But basically, that wasn't an option for him because he was such a young man that by the time he was 50, which is not old, you would have, he would be like, you can only get so many hip replacements. So by the time he was 50, he wouldn't be able to do that anymore. And then what's that, a wheelchair? So he dug deeper and then found the doctors that could do his avascular necrosis surgery at Duke. And God bless them. Thank the dear Lord. And for us, thank God it worked out. And he's walking on two legs now, you know? So don't be afraid to advocate for yourself and go and dig deeper, no matter what it is. I don't care if they look at you crazy. Fight for yourself, for real. Switching gears absolutely completely. I got to talk to y'all again about this Vanderpump Rules shit. Oh my God. And again, I'm sorry if this if I've lost you. And to my girl that texted me and said that she doesn't watch Vanderpump Rules, uh, we can't be best friends anymore. I'm joking. But she said that her hubby-to-be watches it all the time. And I had pointed out on the podcast that Tom Sandoval and Raquel, Rachel, whatever her name is, Levis, Levies, whatever, that they were wearing lightning bolt necklaces to, like, profess their love to each other without 
letting everybody know they were messing around. And apparently she pointed that out to him. And she's like, oh, thanks for the leg up on my husband. You're welcome, girl. But you need to start watching it. Any who's I saw that article this weekend about Raquel Levis entering a voluntary facility for mental health counseling. Apparently her and her family had decided even before this whole scandal had come out, the cheating scandal, that... Uh, that sorry, I'll explain to you why I'm growling, that that she was going to go, that she was having emotional issues. And I get it. When you go through, you know, you break up with your ex-fiance, like she did of five years, and that was like a mentally abusive relationship. I get all that part. You're kind of messed up. But the shit that she's pulling right now, if this is true, I'm not into this. So it was a mental health facility that everyone was saying. Come to find out, though, according to the, you know, People magazine, which, you know, I'm not, CNN or I'm not Fox News, so who knows what these sources are saying, but it wasn't actually a mental health facility that she checked into. She checked into a luxury wellness resort, which I get it if you got to go clear your head, but boo, you made this bed literally in Ariana's house, lie in it. I'm going to try to slow down my shade for a second, but Tom Sandoval supposedly there with her. Okay, if you're trying to go clear your head and figure out, like, what the fuck you did wrong, maybe you don't bring the thing that you did wrong things with. I don't know. That's just me. But I get annoyed with this girl, Rachel Raquel, because she plays, like, Lala, to quote Lala, she plays the Bambi-eyed bitch, as Lala says, and I'm not calling her a bitch. That's just what Lala called her. But you know what? Fuck that. She is kind of a bitch. But she plays this, like, I'm the victim, and I'm just a sweet, but are you really? And nothing bothers me more than, like, people that are Regina George that try to play like they're Taylor Swift. Like, the sweetest, most talented person ever. When really, you're just a bully and a bitch that, like, plays like you're nice. And for some reason, somehow got to the position that you're in and you don't deserve it. Just saying. But... It just bothers me how she's like wide-eyed and she did that whole thing with Sheena where she tried to say that Sheena punched her and she had the restraining order. Like doing all this PR crap to divert from the fact that you fucked up, that you crossed so many lines that are so dirty. And I'm sorry, she seems like sort of a social climber. And I get that the industry is dirty. Hollywood is dirty entertainment business can be the dirtiest of dirties. Like a lot of times people that have climbed to the spaces they're in have gotten there in a shitty way. And that's what she's doing. It's like, if you look back to the, one of the first episodes of this season, she was on the date with uh, Peter. Who's like a, he's like the friend role or whatever. Cause he was an actual member of the cast years ago. And now he's just kind of like the manager at sir. And he's kind of in and out and he was going on dates with Raquel Girl, why don't you find somebody outside the friend group here? Because in in essence, your ex-fiance, those are his friends. You met all of them through him. So that was icky at first. Anyway, but she was saying in one of their dates, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm used to being on my own now because, like, James paid for everything. And it's just, like, so expensive. That was my first time that I winced a little bit because I remember thinking, like, okay, go, Raquel. Like, you broke up with him. And I did commend her for that, that she took off the ring and gave it to him. Weird that she did it on national television at the reunion. Another clue there, social climber. Like, for the wow factor, let, let me get the ratings up and let me get my cement my seat on the show. 
But I commended her back then that I was just like, I never did that. I knew my relationships weren't right and I never walked away, especially not that one that I almost walked down the aisle and planned two weddings to this emotionally and physically abusive relationship. I never had that bravery. So at first I was like, all right, bravo girl, golf clap. But now it's like, there was all that messiness where she was like pretending to like Schwartz and kiss him. And side note, did y'all kiss that kiss? Gross. Gross, gross, gross. It was like fourth graders kissing and it was so fake. And Tom was the, Tom Schwartz was the decoy. I don't give a shit what they say. He knew they were doing it for show to divert things. And I just don't like how she's using all these poor me moments that are actually really fucking serious. Like I know Sheena was on like TMZ saying like there's actual people that need these orders of protection and this is not a joke. And it's fucking not. Like, you wouldn't have dropped it right after the reunion, I'm saying in terms of Raquel Levis, if this was true that she actually punched you in the face. I don't think. And there's all those pictures floating around the internet that she had that bruise and that cut on her eye way before this supposed altercation with Sheena. There was, like, actual, well, I don't know if you want to call Instagram proof, but there was actual pictures of it. So that was one. And then it's like now you're saying that you're checking into a mental health facility because in my opinion, don't at me, but you can at me if you want, Riley Couture on Instagram. Um, she's using the mental health card. And I don't like that. Because mental health is a very serious thing. I feel as though she's using the mental health card to, you know, in PR to be like, I am going through it. Everything that you guys are doing and saying about me is affecting my, affecting my mental health. And that could be very true. She, she is still a person, shitty person, but she is still a person. So I get that part. But it's not a mental health facility if it's a wellness retreat that you're going on with your new boyfriend that caused all this shit. And if it wasn't for the fact that she's used that poor me card a couple of times, I might not be saying that. I mean, I just think that these people get paid a lot of money to be in front of a national audience. And I always say this too, with great power comes great responsibility. I get it. Ratings. You know, but a certain space, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, once this five minutes of fucking fame is gone, who are you and what do you represent? Right now you represent yuck, just a lot of yuck, ew, ew, and more ew. And I cannot wait for this reunion because apparently in the reunion or the finale episode, Andy Cohen keeps talking about, he was talking to Lala on Watch What Happens Live. He keeps talking about how there was a conversation with Ariana and Raquel that Ariana was saying, like, I don't know if Tom's cheating on me. And this is hearsay, but I'm pretty sure. Close your eyes, earmuffs if you don't want to know. Close your eyes, earmuffs if you don't want to know. But apparently it was a conversation about, like, Tom cheating and Raquel saying, well, I'll be there for you if he is. Oh, my fucking God, you're sadistic. You're gross. Like, that's just so wrong. Like, how? How do you sit there amongst these big special moments like weddings and, like, just all this stuff with somebody that you are screwing their man in their house? And not just any man, a man of 10 years. Just, I don't know how you sleep. And that's the thing, too. Like, if he cheats with you, it could be likely that he will cheat on you. I didn't coin that saying. People did thousands of years, maybe not thousands, but long-ass time ago. So there might be some truth to it. 
What do you think you're going to get? A more cemented place on Bravo? Yeah, probably. And as I'm talking shit about somebody doing that, I'm fueling the fire by talking about it on my podcast and watching it. So I guess I'm kind of an asshole too, but I'm not sleeping with somebody else's man. <laughs> I just sounded very holier than that. I didn't mean to, but I just, there's something about this girl that bothers me. And I remember when Lala was going in on her when she was first with James, I thought Lala was a bitch for it, but she was right. You know, she just never liked her. And I thought it was like just some catty competition, but really no, it just, ugh. I, I don't know. I don't like it that like her program was supposedly focused on mental health and trauma therapy. Okay. That pisses me off because as somebody that has gone through certain parts of trauma therapy that is still in it, that makes me really angry because this trauma that you're going through, supposedly, you orchestrated yourself and you are still orchestrating it by being with this person out there in the open wearing your lightning bolt necklaces. And again, that's your life. It's your prerogative if you care to still continue with it. But when you're trying to do this PR shit that you're going to trauma therapy when really it's a wellness resort with your trauma-bonded boyfriend, stop it. Stop yourself stop that no and I know that there's been way worse things done in reality tv way worse like reality tv villains and the things that they have done and represented so I get that part but this this is ugh, I can't with her <laughs> I really hope that she doesn't have such a big seat on next season I'm curious to see what Lisa will do in terms of her relationship with them obviously she's not going to shut down Tom Tom but I'm curious to hear what she has to say because she's business partners with them. I'm curious to see what Ariana and Katie Maloney do with their new th sandwich shop because they're both free of the idiots that were holding them down. Like, I know they're both going to fly, but I really hope, even for Tom Sandoval and this Raquel Rachel Levis, and I'm not trying to, like, take him out of the equation because he's equally as slimy. So and a lot of people were like, oh, why aren't they going after Tom? Why is everybody going after Rachel? Like, he is actually worse slimy. Like, you nasty if you can actually get aroused in the bed where you and your partner have shared for 10 years. Just, ugh. But I just think at a certain space in life, you need to wake up and look at what way you're going and also what you're representing for a lot of people. I mean, I am in no means at all anywhere near the celebrity that they have, and that's not that much. So I'm not the messiah of anything. But if y'all are here waiting for my opinion on this podcast, that's it. She and both of them, just gross. Like, stop using the poor me card. Own it. You did it. You're a piece of shit. Go on with your relationship. Cool. But stop trying to play the whole poor me card, please, for the love of all that is holy. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, yeah. I got off on that tangent, but I definitely did want to say, like, before I get out of here, I wanted to give a very big shout out to my husband. Don't throw up on me. But today when I was on the couch crying because I was in a lot of pain, he really took one for the team and took the boys to work with him today so that I could actually get some rest. I slept half of the day, and it was much, much, much needed. 
You know, he took the boys to his cousin's birthday party and ran after them all day. And don't give me the whole, oh, he's just being a father thing because trust me, that doesn't fly in my house. You do like, we, it's 50-50, 100%. We set it up that way. It was always that way. It's not like those memes where you see people like, oh yeah, it's like a dude at the playground and he's the greatest thing ever. A mom at the playground, it's just like no big thing. No, he's a very hands-on dad and wants to be. But taking the craziest toddler ever to work and my son or our son, but that's seven and a half and then going through six, seven, eight hours of that on the Sunday and then going to a birthday party where it's usually two of us doing that. He's the MVP. Like I needed that like, whoa, and I love and appreciate him for it. So just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for listening. I have a very big podcast this week that I told you guys about a couple weeks ago that it is a very big, very big trigger warning. Um, this month is sexual assault awareness month. <clears throat> Excuse me, my allergies. Um, and this podcast was one that I went back and forth as to whether or not to do. Eh, maybe not whether or not to do, but what, which way I wanted to go with it. I knew that when I spoke to my now friend about this, that I wanted to tell the story in whatever way she wanted to do it, but I didn't know how raw I wanted to get into it. And I think that it's really important the way that she tells the story, what she's done with her story, and the message she wants to give. That's going to happen on Friday. Um, like I always tell you guys, I completely understand if it's one of those ones that's too triggering for you. But if it's something that can end up helping you, then I'm really glad I did it. Because already she's told me that she feels very, very free for having told her story on my podcast. Or, you know, the recording of it that we did. Um, because there ain't no way I was going to do that sucker. Like, <laughs> off the cuff. I wanted to be very respectful with it and careful and, you know, just giving it the love that it should have in terms of telling this story. Um, so that's going to happen on Friday. And then Wednesday, we have obviously more um, Ask Riley questions. So if you've got them, you can definitely send them my way. Um, and then I got another fave five for you guys, which you guys seem to be loving, which is great. Glad I got some way to like justify all the money that TikTok makes me spend these days. Good thing it's drugstore dupes, 90% of it. Um, but yeah, if you have an Ask Riley, you can email me at reallyreallypodcast at gmail.com. You can text at 410-604-8895. DMs, always open, at Riley Couture, R-I-L-E-Y-C-O-U-T-U-R-E. That's Instagram and Facebook. TikTok is Riley Couture 7. Um, give me a follow there because that's usually when I do like a lot of my makeup reviews on there. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you on Wednesday. It's really Riley. <laughs>